Hi guys, it's Kara, host of Everyone's Business But Mine. And let's be real, one thing that makes the show possible is by selling sponsorships to advertisers. One way you can support us in getting more sponsors is by telling us a little bit more about yourself. You can do that by filling out a quick survey at the link in the show description. Plus, your answers are anonymous. They'll help us learn what you love most about the show and how to make it even better. The questions will ask you about the things that help advertisers understand the audience. It'll only take a few minutes, and it's an easy way to help the show. So you can find the link in the show description. Thank you so much, and stay tuned for the rest of the show. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com best thing you could do is to say, you know what, girl, I apologize for all that crazy mess. Let's move forward. Thank you, babe. Candace, have you even congratulated her on having a baby? I don't really want her talking about my baby. The one who okay. she was so adamant about Michael not really wanting to have so a baby. So is this a dinner for Ashley or a Candace attack? Because it's, if it's it's that, a dinner for Ashley, then let's talk about Ashley. It's somebody pass the damn alcohol. Where is it? with a wet-ass pussy. Welcome to another episode of Everyone's Business But Mine with me, Cara Berry. That song has been overtaking my brain since it dropped at 12 o'clock Eastern Time. It's such a great song. The video is amazing. The girls are fighting online about if it's appropriate or not. I am all in. I'm a girl's girl. And I love the idea of, like, talking about how your pussy pops severely and the power that it has. So if you guys don't enjoy the song and if you feel like it's anti-feminist, then maybe this podcast is not for you. Because over here, I'm a stallion and I'm a carb. I don't know. I have no idea. Um, How are we doing this week? I'm loving life. Honestly, that song was really, it really put a pep in my step. Another thing that has put a pep in my step is something that I'm going to have to admit to you guys, which is I'm fully in on selling Sunset. I fought it for a long time. I, it took me a couple months to get through season one, got into season two I watched all of it in the span of like 24 hours and now I'm two episodes into season three and I'm going to be powering through and finishing the season, pushing everything aside that I have to do in order to watch it. What are my thoughts as I step into episode three of season three? I had to tell you, season one, I was like, I don't know if I can do this. Here's my reason why, and I hope you're understanding. I consume a lot of content, and I consume a lot of white content. I have white friends, and I love... I love some white people, okay? I have no problem with admitting that I'm not racist. 
<laughs> but with that being said, there are shows that are like too white for me, if that makes sense. And Selling Sunset was a little too white. And I'm saying this as somebody who watches every season of Real Housewives of Orange County. Except for the one where I guess Tamara like dated a woman or pretended to date a woman. I don't know. I missed that one. But you know where I'm going with this. There are shows that are just a little too much for me, and as much as, like, an Adam DeVello stan as I am, producer of Laguna Beach and The Hills, The City, maybe Siesta Key, I'm not sure, I don't watch that show, but, like, all those, like, glossy, overly saturated shows about rich people in L.A. and for a moment in New York, I... I just had a hard time latching on to Selling Sunset to find us in an office, a real estate office of just several blonde women and two very tiny men with milk dug shaped heads. It was just hard for me to latch on to. And it took me, I want to say, until maybe episode seven of season one to where I was like, okay, I'm into this. I'm all in on Chriselle and her backstory as a smelly child. Christine being this tall, like, you know, like Batman style vixen, not vixen, but, um, you know, like, what do you call it? Bad, bad guy. I don't know. Uh, clearly, I don't watch these movies. Um, villain. There, that's the word. Batman style villain. Um, her outfits are like the Roger. They like came straight out of the Roger Rabbit movie from like 1989 or whenever that movie came out. She, you know, her bold red lip and her platinum hair. Her choice to put it in strange braids and. To put a lot, there's a lot of hair jewelry happening. It really all came to a head with me when Chriselle gets into a fight with a woman who I learned in episode eight. It took me eight episodes to figure out her name, Davina. Um, They get into a little tiff at an event in which Davina accuses Chriselle of being on the path. To being two-faced. Have you ever heard such a a phrase being used? (laughs) How is one on the path of being two-faced? It seems like you're either not or you are. You're not like kind of two-faced or getting to two-faced. Like, right? You are or you aren't. I love that Chriselle sticks up for herself. I love that she doesn't take any shit. She and Christine end up getting into a fight. Christine ends up involving herself in this fight on whether or not Chriselle is a good person or she's taken the road less traveled into being two-faced. And they get into it. She and Davina are getting into it. And you know what? It took her a very long time to push a tear out. And I appreciate that. She really got her licks in before she started to cry. Okay? And as a woman who will cry when I'm in a fight with somebody, even though I'm very mad, I appreciated seeing that. She stands strong. Because Chriselle really gave us the impression, or gave me anyway, the impression that she was going to be a little bit weak. She was a new girl at the Oppenheim Group, and she was up against these very strong personalities and she really held her own. And and I love that. I was very excited to see the (laughs) storyline. This is fucked up, but I was excited to see the storyline of her finding out that she was getting a divorce via text from Justin Hartley, um, star of This Is Us. I have to say as a sidebar, like, was I really surprised that they got divorced? Absolutely not. Just as much as I was not surprised when Casey Musgraves got divorced. And here's the reason why. 
hype you, peep you into some game here. When people get married around the time of their big break, whether it be before, during, or after, I would say within a two-year span of that happening, it's never going to work. There's going to be a divorce. I give their marriage three years tops. And then when the TMZ breaks the story, I'm like, yeah, we all saw that coming, right? In cases, well, in both cases, it's always the man's fault. In Casey's case, it's like she was the one who became famous. She, her husband's also a country star. I am of the belief that he probably couldn't handle the fact that she became this darling in Hollywood and in the music scene and people loved her and thought she was like so cute and precious and Kelly Clarkson 2.0 and she was like a bad bitch and she's funny and she smokes weed and like she's really pretty and and she makes this beautiful music and he's still you know somebody who would be opening for her and he would be lucky to do so so I knew that wasn't gonna work Um, and with, when the man becomes famous, it's like, oh, well, yeah, obviously, because now this whole world is open up to him. And now it's like, why am I sticking with this woman who was, you know, standing beside me when I had no money and I was going to auditions and not making them. Now I'm on this hit NBC show. I can swing my dick from here, there, from the Valley to West Hollywood. And, you know, have a great time. Why am I going to stick with my woman at home over in Encino? I'm not doing that. And so men are evil. That was my side note. Um, (laughs) Christine, wow. The fact that she inserts herself in everybody's drama and then also says that she doesn't like drama. Classic villain. Um, Mary, you know, a lady of, uh, small frame, but ample bosom. She and her French baker, younger, now husband. I love that Mary will, um, get into an argument with Romaine. And I don't even think that's really how you pronounce his name. Get into an argument because he doesn't like things like having to pick out flowers for his wedding. She's always testing him and saying, you're not as into this. Why aren't you as into me in this relationship? Um, But she also has a heart of gold. And I hated to see her and her relationship with Christine evolve or devolve the way it has. To where we're watching her at the end of season two getting married to Romaine and then finding out that Christine called her a fucking idiot. That sucks. And I love that there's just a person named Amanza with a Z. Um, I love that she's always late and that, you know, she's just trying to make it right. And if anybody, like, if I, if we can, if the story comes out in season three, don't tell me, but if it doesn't, please tell me, like, what is the deal with her ex-husband? Because we get the idea that he was, they got divorced and that was contentious, but then he, like, goes from being a, a, um, I don't know, he goes from being like a, like a, present father to suddenly being like oh I think I might have to get full custody and I I don't know I want to know more about that so if it's something that we don't find out on the show please let me know what the tea is on that um I love that Maya is an unaffected queen she just sells houses eat hot chip and gets pregnant I love her um and that's really about it for, like, the heavy hitters with me. I'm told that, like, can anybody also tell me, like, how fake the show is? Like, it is it on a Hills level of fake? Or is there reality to it? Because I did look at the Oppenheim Group um, website. And to see Davina... Okay, here's what I want to th- 
say about Davina? Like, she's weird, right? Like, I, I keep seeing on Twitter that she's, like, evil, and I don't think I've gotten there yet. But there's a weirdness about her. There's something about her that really deeply unsettles me. And she doesn't say much. And she's in the drama in a way that, like, I'm not too affected by her behavior, but there's something weird about her. And I just can't quite put my finger on it, but I guess I'll find out why. So back to the website, I saw that the $75 million house that she was intent on selling is still for sale. I have heard little things about how they don't really sell houses. It doesn't really seem like they sell homes on the show, (laughs) or at least ones that we don't see them. Um, It appears that one of the Little Milk Dead twins is one who actually works for the show. He wasn't listed on the website, the other one. I imagine, like, yeah, let's get some twins in for, you know, in case one of them breaks an ankle or something. Like, I don't know. Just an heir and a spare, if you will. Um, So, yeah, I'm invested. Would I recommend it? Not necessarily. (laughs) I would recommend it as a show... If you want something that's, like, background. Like, if you want it as you clean, if you want to have something on TV as you're texting or looking through your apps, I I would suggest that. And you, you can pretty much keep up with what's going on. And if you're not sure, like, just follow the one with the long hair and, you know, the hoops in her ponytail. What else do I really want to recommend? I, more Netflix recommendations, love, love, loved Love on the Spectrum. I thought that was such a great series about Australian singles who are on the autism spectrum, trying to go out there and date, you know, learning about communication skills and how to deal with other people, going on dates with people, like just amazing. It was so much insight into how much they want love and how we as a society or most people have this perception that like, because typically they have, you know, um, their social skills are very different from, you know, they're just different. And so I think the assumption that a lot of people make is that they're not interested in love and they're not interested in forming romantic relationships, but that couldn't be further from the truth. Um, and really just how they go out there and they, they're just such lovely people and personalities and to see how they navigate through the world is just like fascinating, but also heartwarming and informative and just really, really compelling television. Second one would be Indian matchmaking. Another like highly informative thing, like as a person who has had like you know, I grew up with a few Indian people in my neighborhood and stuff and at school, but like to know the ins and outs of like, you know, again, like I think, especially as Americans, we have this idea that like arranged marriage is like this archaic, antiquated idea. And it like forces people into these relationships that they don't want to be in with people that they don't know and how like barbaric, if you want to use that word is, But it's really, like, I thought very interesting. And, like, I was like, huh, okay. (laughs) And, like, Married at First Sight is kind of, and I never even thought about that, that, like, Married at First Sight is a show that kind of, like, teaches us how arranged marriages work. And maybe that's, like, a very bad example because typically these people, a lot of them aren't ready. But with Indian matchmaking, we see how they work this out and it's not just like oh our parents get together and in some cases it is but like you know it's just like there really is more of like a people taking an active role in who they want their partners it's not this like oh I'm just marrying somebody that my parents met and they like the family and so that's it um I really like that I think it really kind of touched on colorism in the Indian community, um, like social pedigree, 
um, you know, how locations where people grew up matter, what kind of family they have. Um, there was a lot of like, I would prefer somebody who's light skinned and I found that like kind of jarring and I knew that that was a thing, but I guess I didn't realize how much of a thing that was. And yeah, I just found it very informative. That is like a highly, highly recommend those two shows. Um, what else do I want to talk about? Was there any mess that happened in pop culture? I'm sure that there's a glaring thing that I'm forgetting about, you know, to harken back to my breakdown of the Ellen show and all the drama that's happening. There have been a few celebrities that have spoken out and supported her <laughs> anybody from like Kevin Hart to um, Ashton Kutcher, um, Diane Keaton. um, And I feel like those people are getting more, um, more attention than people who were actually on the show. Like, do you guys remember Tony? He was like the British guy. He was the DJ and he spoke out and talked about how, you know, like I worked on the show for years and I stand with all of the current and former employees who, you know, I experienced a toxic work or work relationship or work culture environment as well. But I feel like these celebrities and it's obviously like, yeah, because they're celebrities that they're getting this attention. I think it's very weird how many celebrities actually have like spoken out in support of her. Like, is it necessary? But it also really speaks to, like, they have no perspective as to, like, (laughs) you know that Ellen treated you well because you're a celebrity and not her employee, right? Because you're a commodity and not somebody who she writes checks for. Like, of course, Diane Keaton, A-list actress, who also is in support of Woody Allen, by the way. Of course, Ellen was nice to you because you saw her for five minutes and you had a conversation that was gone over in the green room. You already knew what you're talking about before you went on stage. Of course, she laughed and smiled because she knew to laugh and smile at you. And of course, she likes you. Because you're a bigger celebrity than she is. Hello. Of course she likes you, Ashton Kutcher. You're coming on her show. It's not the same as the intern in the hallway who she makes go home because whatever. It's not the same as the waitress who just came out and said she tried to get me fired from my job because I waited on her and one of my nails was chipped. My nail polish was chipped on one of my nails. She called back to my job weeks later and tried to have me fired. Hello. I saw a story of a girl who works in the industry who had a friend who worked for Ellen. The Her dog just died and Ellen told her, do you want to take a Xanax or do you want to, or do you need to take a month off? Because this show needs to get done, whether you like it or not. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. 
Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. So, of course, Kevin Hart, multimillionaire, she was nice to you. Goofy. <laughs> stop, celebrities, stop supporting. Stop, you don't need to stand up for other celebrities. How about that? Just, you don't need to say anything. <laughs> okay, I'm going to leave you guys alone. Um, the rest of the episode is going to be a recap of episode two of Real Housewives of Potomac. So, y'all enjoy that. And I will catch you in a few days with a all-new 90 Day Fiance recap. Okay, sorry, I'm back real quick. Before I recap Potomac, I just wanted to let you know that I was on a podcast called Friends of the Countess, where two people, Amanda and David, are recapping their very first viewing of Roni from season one. I had the great honor and pleasure to recap season one, episode six. I think an iconic episode of Real Housewives of New York. We get the first mention of the skinny girl margarita. We get Ramona flipping her shit over seeing, having Simon come to the girls' night dinner. We get the origin story of Money Can't Buy You Class. What can be better? So check that out. All podcast platforms, or at the very least, Apple Podcasts, Friends of the Countess Podcast. All right, let's get into Potomac now. You guys, I am so happy that Real Housewives of Potomac is back. Like, uh, it's just such a breath of fresh air. I love them so much. So let's recap episode two, shall we? If episode one was just like a knockout of the park home run, this was like, um, I don't watch sports, so I don't really know what else to compare it to. Like, um, a hole in one. It's just, it's like the Serena Williams. I know Serena Williams. It's like the Serena Williams of, of, housewives like it just keeps winning you know just excellence just it keeps winning and Beverly Hills is like um who's the white lady that keeps going up against Serena and losing and then complaining about how she um like doesn't have a fair advantage it's it's kind of like that you know what I mean I don't know what her name is but I hope you guys get the reference. <laughs> Let me get into um, something I actually know what I'm talking about, shall we? So the episode starts with a typical housewives fake out of, you know, moaning um, B-roll of just random places in the house where nobody is. And we find out that LaDame is working out in the basement with her trainer, trainer Georgie. And, you know, she's getting it tight. Uh... Ray, the black Bill Gates, comes downstairs while she's cooling down. Is like, hey, I can do this. And, you know, shifts his arm from side to side and does a little hula hoop move. They go back upstairs and Georgie leaves. And Karen's like, you know what? I got to keep my body together to keep you, right? And Ray's like, okay. <laughs> Turns out that Ray has not said I love you to Ladam in quite some time. And... I just need to know what happened. Was there like a big fight? Or is it one of those things where like the relationship just continues to devolve? Or my theory, now that I've just thought about it, is this like a typical housewife's curse where the man is used to being top dog and then the woman's playing like supportive housewife all these years she comes on the show, she gets her own money, she gets her own fame, she gets opportunities that she would never have, and the man is now resentful of her. He shouldn't be, because frankly, it seems like she's the only one who's bringing money into the house, but I understand how that could be quite the ego blow. Um, I, I, That's really sad that you would be married to somebody for 17 years and you're trying to make it work and they're not even telling you they love you. That's sad. That's sad, huh? Um, she's saying she's still trying to make it work with him. And God bless her for trying. It's an institution, but you guys, institutions crumble all the time. 
Can I be a little bit less depressing? I think I think I can. <laughs> Let's move on. Giselle meets Monique for lunch. For, for those of you who guys are, you know, maybe just hopping in or don't know the full story, Giselle and Monique have never really gotten along. There's not been like any big thing, but Giselle likes to haze all the new girls and Monique wasn't standing for it. So really they just have never really gelled like that. But they meet for lunch and Giselle says, you know, I'm just trying to start fresh and have a good time with Monique. And she agrees. And, you know, Giselle says it's like, excuse me, Monique says it's much easier to get along with Giselle when she's getting some dick. And you know what? Relatable. Okay. <laughs> they both agree. They both have a friendship with Ashley and they agree that like that is the one big thing that they have in common with each other. And they're worried about her because of her, you know, postpartum that she talked about last week and how she's not leaving the house. They've been seeing Instagram videos of her talking about how upset she is and her feelings and how she's feeling really down and they want to have a party for her. This is like one of the more organic let's have a party slash schedule something to film <laughs> group, a group schedule that I've seen in a while. And I think that's one of the things that I really love about Potomac is that they actually have like genuine friendships with each other and it's not so forced. Like Lisa Rinna being like, Hey, you guys, since, uh, Erica is going to Chicago to New York to film Chicago, why don't we all go to Rome? Because that's her favorite place. As if we haven't discussed this for months now, we all didn't know that it was on the scheduling books, whatever. So they also talk about, and we have to remember that they filmed basically like not even a month after they reunion taped. So they're just getting right back into it. They're, um, you know, Giselle's like, you know, this last year was really rough for Ashley with all, you know, Michael Darby squeezing ass. And even though we all contributed to that in our own ways, whether it be in a talking head or asking her questions that were maybe or maybe not inappropriate. Ashley was the one, or excuse me, Candace was the one who uh, was kind of the worst def defender, really going after Ashley, both for her pregnancy and her relationship and Michael specifically. And so we think it's really important that Candace apologizes to Ashley. Monique, I'm going to leave that to you because you're really the one who's friends with Candace, not me. But I think, you know, some healing needs to be happening and I'm going to bring her to the red table. Okay. <laughs> so then we find out what I mentioned a little bit last week, the issue we're coming to find out with Candace and the big fight that they have was stemmed by some drama dealing with Sharice. So now we find out exactly where it's all beginning, the evolution of a fight and I think rather than like, it's interesting, right? Because like Beverly Hills kind of geared us up in the same way, but it's also not, I don't know how to describe it. Like with Beverly Hills, obviously the big storyline is Denise and Brandy hooking up, right? And so everything we see is kind of like an evolution as to how we got there. And this season, we, we're getting the same thing, but I don't know, it just seems like more fully fleshed and more interesting rather than like having to like stand around a big cake for Erica Shoe Dazzle event. We're actually like seeing these storylines, even though like, yeah, we see Brandy actually tell Kyle and boring Teddy the story and what exactly happened it just seems like I don't know why it feels so different like yeah obviously they're different people but this is like two episodes in and I'm already more interested and more invested than I am in Beverly Hills but I digress so what we find out is you know last week uh Candace had her one year anniversary Cherie showed up Monique was really confused because uh, Sharice was not at Monique or at Candace's wedding and did they build a friendship who invited her the question that I'm asking is well of course Candace invited her it was Candace's party right <laughs> so 
we find out that that is in fact true that Candace was the one who invited Charisse. Um, and it turns out, like we heard last week, that Charisse has been spreading rumors about Monique and her family. Rumors that she doesn't want to repeat, but thank God for Giselle, word on the street, Bryant. She's happy to tell us all of the tea. So basically what happened is there were rumors about Monique getting really close to her trainer, too close for comfort. They were seen all over town by multiple people on multiple occasions and big boy, as Giselle has lovingly question mark referred to called him. Um, Chris, Monique's husband was the one who he found out about it and things did not go well. Obviously the person who I guess is at the forefront of all this, like rumor getting around being spread about Potomac is Sharice. So then we get to a scene with Ashley. She's at her home and a breastfeeding specialist comes over. I love these shows because like, I don't have kids and I probably wouldn't be hiring a very, what I assume is like a very expensive specialist. If I did to help me, I would be hitting the Google that I pay for my internet with and um, just trying to figure it out from there. <laughs> but she has like a lactation specialist. Apparently like she wasn't able to, she was about to give up on breastfeeding and the specialist came over. She hadn't, um, whatever you call it, the term for like when the milk ducts get clogged. You guys clearly like, I don't have children. I don't, I probably shouldn't really be talking about this, but I do think that like, it is very interesting and informative to hear people talk about their baby blues or postpartum, their anxiety around children, because that's a very real thing. And I do like love that we're taking, not taking the power out of it, but like making people and women mothers feel like they're not alone in this sort of thing. This is all like speaking a foreign language to me. Um, but I will say that watching the the lactation lady pull out a crochet titty and talk about how a baby needs to latch on in a way that was like reminiscent of me tearing into a Big Mac after a long night of, you know, debauchery in the Lower East Side. That was alarming. Um, that's, that's a memory that's going to stick with me. Okay. I, wow. I'm thinking about it now and it's still, I'm still carrying, carrying a lot of weight over here. <laughs> I clearly like, I, I just want to say that I, I do feel for Ashley. I, I, you know, it, but it, that was alarming. And you know what? I think the, for me and, and for everybody, it's best that I move on. So then we get our full scene, our first new full scene with Wendy, who is our newest, latest housewife. She and Candace go out to eat. They met at an event. Candace is a big fan of Wendy. And y'all, I think that I might be too. Wendy is beautiful. She's the mother. She is a professor at Johns Hopkins. She's a political commentator. She is like every, you know, buzzword in terms of education that you could possibly think of. Much like Candace, I love an educated bitch. And I'm so excited to see what she brings to the table. This isn't going to be like Kim Fields coming to Atlanta and like moping around like Eeyore while Kenya tries to push her out of her chair or like Peggy who came to Orange County like a she's like a like a tumbleweed here today gone tomorrow <laughs> I really think that like I feel it in my spirit that Wendy is coming to play she's gonna be shaking the table and shifting some wigs like you heard it here first she just had her baby girl Cameron about two months ago and they talk about Candace, you know, contemplating wanting to have children and when's the right time. And Chris is totally ready, but she is the one who's hesitant. And it's because she doesn't want to, you know, she said, my mom did the best that she could, but I'm really scared that I have the potential to repeat the mistakes 
that she made with me on my children and let the church say, amen. You know what? Thank God for growth and introspection. (laughs) No shade to you, Candace, but we're seeing the manifestation of, you know what? Never mind. (laughs) I, I, um, yeah, they change the subject and Candace is like, well, what did you think about the other girls at the party? Did you meet them all? Like, how did you feel? And Wendy's like, yeah, all of them cool. I've met Karen before. Um, seems like Groundhog Day. I met her. They flash on the screen a picture of them from 2017. I met her a few years ago. Every time I see her in an event, it's like the first time, like she's introducing herself to me. Like, I don't know who she is. And I just want to be like, you know me. Hello. (laughs) And I want to know, I'm happy. I'm wanting to know more about that. Karen definitely seems like one of those people. And it's so annoying where you're just like, you've met me before. We don't have to go. And And it's at some point it's like intentional, you know, that's super annoying. Um, but I'm, I'm really, really looking forward to it. Candace says, you know what? Surprisingly, like you didn't really get to know Giselle, but I think you guys might like each other. And I think this is going to work, but I'm surprised to say that because usually Giselle hazes people when they first come in and she's maybe not all that nice to them. And, you know, I typically that's how she is, but I think it's going to work out for you. And I'm just sitting over here saying, no, I think you're right. I think all the things that you just pointed out about Giselle are completely true. And I think this is not going to work out. (laughs) Like, I think Giselle's going to come for her thinking she isn't who Giselle thinks she is. And it's not going to go well. And you know what? I'm going to be front row for this because I just, you know what? I'm just going to tell you guys a secret. Something, I'm a girl's girl. I'm a woman's woman. But you know how a girl is. You know a girl who has a firm handshake or has gives you like the limp wrist when you guys meet each other? Wendy is a firm handshake girl. She is somebody who's not going to take any shit. She is proud and she will give it to you. Giselle is a weak handshake girl. She'll just put her her hand in your palm and let you do the work. That's how you know which bitch is going to play with you. And which bitch is not here for you, okay? That's a little secret, a little tip from Kara to you, okay? Thank you. Um, Monique, we get an internet scene. She's in the kitchen. And I have to say, I love the scene with kids in in a Potomac. Like, I think a lot of people don't really like them. And maybe this is like, now that I'm thinking about it, maybe this is like kind of a divisive, controversial thing, but... I feel like with Atlanta and Potomac, I really love seeing the kids. And with the other franchises, I don't. And there's an obvious racial divide there. And I don't really want to make it about race because I don't really know how to, I don't have like a fully fleshed opinion, but just something like, I like seeing little like candy with Ace and I like Monique and her children. And I like, seeing Robin with her kids and I love Giselle's daughters but it's like do I want to see even though I'm I'm really coming into do I like Dorit I think I might I don't want to see those little children I don't care to see Shannon Bedore and her little girls they're not that little but you know what I mean you know what I mean I don't know why that is I don't, why is that I don't know anyway the point is there is a scene that we get of Monique and her kids. She's in, they're all in the kitchen and she's, you know, doing her mommy thing. She's like, Hey kids, like, do you guys care about my day? You want to ask about my day? And Milani, her little daughter is like, um, yeah, no, we don't care. <laughs> it's like, Milani, that's not nice. And Milani's just like, yeah, I just don't want to talk about it right now. And I just love that. I love a little kid who's like well-spoken. I think she's only like three or four. She's so cute. Just sitting on her little computer saying, mommy, I have boundaries and I would like for you to respect them. Okay. Thank you. Um, 
then we get to Candace and Karen. They're sitting in a bar having drinks and Candace gets a text from Monique that is an invitation to Ashley's coming out party. And Candace is like, you know what? There's nothing better than a new child to kind of serve as a launching pad to start over with a friendship, you know? And then we hear, okay, so, sorry. (laughs) Then we get another scene of Monique calling Ashley about the party and is like, oh, you know, I'm excited. I really hope that you're like gearing yourself to go up because I know you don't like to leave the house. But one, I just wanted to like introduce a new friend and have her come over. Her name's Wendy. And also just giving you a heads up that Candace will be there. Ashley's like, rolled her eyes. She's like, you know what? I'm going to keep an open mind. This is my coming out party. I'm open to her apologizing to me. And Monique tells her, like, keep your mind open. But in the back of her mind, she's like, I'm really feeling some type of way about Candace and Sharice's newfound friendship. And I don't like it. Foreshadowing, right? Great scene of my husband, Juan, and his beautiful teeth and his beautiful smile and his beard. And he's so tall and just like really handsome and cute and just so nice and you know smile just lights up a room um it's hot in here um he and Giselle have lunch and he tells her that he's actually planning to propose so congratulations Robin you deserve it frankly I mean she low-key high-key she really does deserve it because I'll be damned if I don't deposit into that bank for six years living in the house with that man and not get a ring out of it at the end of it I'll be damned (laughs) I will be damned Giselle's really excited she's like they're talking about potential rings and Giselle's like you know what she had a big ring right when you first got married yeah she did okay well I think maybe you need to double it double for her trouble and I agree (laughs) And actually Juan agreed too. He's like, but I don't really think Robin's that kind of girl. And they're like, yeah, right. You're right. So how long have you guys known each other? How many years? 24 years. Well, why don't you get a a stone and then put 24 diamonds around it? And Juan's like, yeah, that's great. I'm thinking, no, okay. (laughs) That doesn't really sound that cool to me, but whatever. Um, They are, Juan says something very profound And there's that, you know, uh, philosophy about, like, the universe will try to teach you a lesson. It will start off with a whisper. And then the longer you take to learn that lesson, it'll become louder and louder and louder. I'm talking about Giselle and former husband slash new boyfriend, Jamal. First episode, we saw those children, her children, her very smart, introspective, well-raised, incredible children, daughters, talking about, Mom, we don't really love how our dad is treating us because we feel left out of this relationship. And we really feel like Dad only tries to maintain a relationship with us because he wants a relationship with you. And we're worried about the fact that he hurt you before and he has the potential to hurt you again. That's not a whisper. That is me talking to you at this voice, right? It's getting louder because Juan says something that I thought was very profound. And he says, like, Jamal cannot mess this relationship up again. The relationship between you and him. Because if he does, that's really going to cause his daughters, your daughters, to resent him for the rest of their lives. And I thought that was really something. And not that it's her responsibility to keep him faithful or good to her or whatever, but it's definitely something that she needs to think about. And Giselle says, you know what? Yeah, Jamal knows that too. 
I agree with you, but Jamal knows that too. And I'm like, does he? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Here's my question about like the, the reality of the matter is even if, even if things are going well and what we're not seeing is like a genuine relationship between them, right? How are, how is it going to really work? How are they really going to make this work? Like the only natural conclusion is that because Jamal has a big time church in Atlanta, that she would have to move to Atlanta to really be with him if she want if they want to be together full time. I don't understand how that's gonna work. I mean, she's just gonna have to move, right? Like, I hope she knows that she's gonna have to be there full time, and that's the sacrifice that she is going to have to make. And I think her what is her oldest daughter like almost graduated from high school? I don't know. It just <laughs> It's not in the cards for me. I'm not loving it. I wish that Giselle would find somebody else. I don't think... And this is coming from purely just what I see on the show, obviously. Like, I don't know her. But I just don't feel like she's picking the wrong men. She's not picking the right guys. Right? She's beautiful. She is a very beautiful woman. And even if we don't want to put that much credence on, on outer beauty... She could have her pick of a lot of men, at least in the beginning until, you know, if they find out they don't like her. <laughs> but I just feel like I just wonder why she has such a difficult time finding men. I don't know. I don't know. But anyway, let's move. On. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Hey folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Um, so then we get a scene at Candace's place with Chris. She comes out of the bathroom and she tells Chris, like, he's cooking breakfast for them. Like, I just peed on a stick. And he's like, like a pregnancy test? Like, no, like a lollipop stick, Chris. Um, and she said, you know, it was negative, but this is kind of like the first time that I was really, like, disappointed. Like, I was feeling like a little bit, like... Maybe I want this more than I expected. And Chris, like, how would you feel about if the timeline shifted? Like, if we maybe we had a baby sooner than later. Chris is like, great, I'm just waiting on you. Like, not in a bad way, but, like, I, I'm ready. And it's up to you. You know, that's your choice. Um, She says, you know... I'm worried about mothering anything outside of my plant. And then we get a flash to the actual plant named Louise, who's sitting in the corner, honestly, thriving, tall, green, lush. Maybe she has less to worry about than we're thinking of. Um, Kristen kind of changes the subject and was like, yeah, I mean, when you came out, I really wasn't surprised that the test was negative because it's not like our sex life is what it used to be. And Candace looks at him like, excuse me? <laughs> and he was like, then they get into this argument about how he prefers to have sex in the morning. She likes to have it at night. But, you know, once I get to the bed, you don't, you're not really interested. You're tired. And he's like, yeah, it's because I sit there waiting for you, trying to take your lashes off, take your makeup off. And by that time, I'm just like tired. And I kind of feel like if I try to get, get in the morning, like maybe you'll be sleepy and I'll just convince you. She's like, well, why are you trying to have reluctant sex with me? I was like, I'm just trying to have any sex. That's better than decent, frankly. And then we get a flashback to uh, the 
last year's reunion where Andy, <laughs> can't even believe that I'm asking it, I'm saying it this, where Andy asks them all about how good their sex lives are and which one of them is the biggest freak. And <laughs> that's, why does he do that? <laughs> can we stop, can we sign like a, a petition, a change.org to get Andy to stop asking about women's breast augmentations and about who's like the freak? Unless it's explicitly a storyline in the show. Can we, can we not? Can we stop that? So we get the flashback to Hannah's being like, yeah, we, you know, we have sex. It's decent. It's, it's good. It's fine. And Chris in the back was like, can you, can you please shut your mouth? <laughs> and he's like, we get back to them and he's like, you know what? You can't say that like, it's awesome. I'm the best you've ever had. It's great. Even she's like, it's all those things. It's like, I know it is. Cause I know what I'm doing. Okay. <laughs> Mouthful of spinach. I know what I'm doing. Okay. So it's time for Ashley's party and a new segment coming to everyone's business, but mine called what the fuck is Giselle wearing at this point? <laughs> enters into this restaurant let's break it all down green and gold toned iridescent eyeshadow a lip color that I can't describe it seems nude and by nude I mean like literally no lip color on it except for like a brownish burgundy eye or lip pencil liner um a purple V-neck sweater with redstone rind lips and white teeth. Biker shorts. It was the biker shorts for me that really got me. On one wrist, we have a black and gold bangle. On the other wrist, we have a black and silver bangle. (laughs) A big black um, ring, wood ring it looked like on her hand. Uh, Black sparkly door knocker earrings. Knee-high stiletto Louboutin boots with fringe on them. I don't understand what season it is, what she's going for. It was like the high fashionable equivalent of like when you throw up at school and they just have to give you what clothes were in the bin, you know? (laughs) It was like, I thought, okay, maybe she's like having to put something together and she's changing, but... She didn't want to have to bring too much, so she's wearing the shoes that she's going to wear, but she's going to change. There's going to be some changing at some point, but no. No. Even into, like, a skirt that might make more sense. Like, I understand. I've seen a Yeezy, several Yeezy fashion shows. I get it. I get what the girls are serving with the biker shorts, but... What? Just... (laughs) She's not paying a stylist, is she? It just occurred to me that she might be paying somebody to have her look like that. Wow. Wow. Okay. Um, wow. Oh, wow. Okay. Monique arrives and more tea is spilt about Candace and Charisse. So apparently, and you'll have to follow me on this. So Monique... Giselle tells Monique that Giselle and Ashley had a conversation and we get a flash to this conversation in which Ashley tells Giselle that when Monique and Candace had their little fallout, they've since made up, but they had a fallout that in the time of their fallout, Candace built up a friendship, specifically reached out to Sharice, and that is when their friendship evolves now this explains why monique would have no idea because monique wasn't around candace at this time and wow that's very pointed that's really duplicitous isn't it and then monique tells giselle like you know what even when we made up and we vowed to like be closer as friends i kind of felt like I was the one who was putting in the effort and Candace was the one who was reaping in the benefits of all the effort that I was making. And the fact that Giselle is the one who's telling me 
about Candace and Sharice being friends just kind of feels like a knife in the heart. I'm really feeling some type of way about that. Um, so then, you know, the girls arrive, Ashley arrives. She's so happy to be out and says, you know, thank you guys for showing up. A lot of you guys haven't met Dean yet, baby Michael. And I'm planning on having a sip and see over at my house. And we get one of the best scenes that I've seen in a long time. Monique is sitting, Ashley's at the head of the table. Monique's sitting to her left. And Monique's like, oh, how are you doing? Like, how are you doing physically? Obviously, Ashley's told her something. And Ashley's like, oh, you know what? I actually might have to get surgery or maybe Botox, and, you know, to fix the tear in my anus. And Karen's sitting right across from Monique. Karen's like, excuse me? And Ashley starts to tell Karen, and everybody's kind of being like, wait, 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 like, what's happening? And Ashley goes, you know, I, I may have to have surgery because I have a tear in my anus, my actual anus, uh, the first bowel movement after, and Karen's like, no, 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 nope, no, 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 <laughs> Karen looks like some demon actually left her body, and, like, the sound that came out of her mouth was like, ooh, ooh. <laughs> god then we get karen in her like t-boz ooh on the tlc tip uh wig she's sipping coffee and is like i just know the botox is a fucking miracle worker freezing a booty hole that's a whole other can of whoop ass <laughs> oh god all hail the queen all hail Ladam. Giselle's like, can we just, like, lighten the load a little bit? And Robin's like, lighten the load? Is that the the phrasing that you're using? And everybody starts laughing, and they do a cheers to Ashley. That lasts about 0.5 seconds until the shade begins. Candace brings up her party, her denim and diamonds party. Ashley's like, oh, yeah, how was it? Did everybody wear their denim and diamonds? I mean, it's like a... Just like a ping pong ball of one person on the side, one person on one side of the table, flinging shade at the other person. Ugh. Ashley. Did everybody wear their diamonds and denim? And Monique said, oh, the party was really great, except for I had to be dodging a walrus meeting Charisse. Candace on the other side of the table is like, you know, I just didn't really think that y'all had that much beef with each other. And then Monique in a talking hand's like, you know, that's bullshit because everybody at this table knew about the rumors between us. And I think Candace is trying to hide her hands. And Monique said, okay, Candace, we'll talk about this privately. But, um, hey, by the way, have you guys gone on your honeymoon yet? It just kind of seems like maybe you should have taken that money from the party that you spent and actually gone somewhere with your man. Maybe had sex with him without a condom. Everybody's like, oh my god, Candace, are you still wearing condoms with your husband? Why? <laughs> and Candace is pointing around the room like, you do pull out, you do pull out, you do pull out, right? Wendy in the corner saying, does Karen still have sex? <laughs> oh my god, it was just great. Why on earth isn't like one of the top three to five things of getting married or being in a steady relationship is that you don't have to work con like why is she not a birth control maybe it's not for i mean birth control is not for everybody but like i'll be damned if i get married to somebody and you're still wearing a con what i've never heard of that in my life oh my god poor chris maybe that's why she's saying it's decent she has no idea what it's like without a without a condom on maybe that's why hmm. <laughs> something to think about <laughs> so then Giselle is like you know what I'm gonna try and change the tone and by that I mean just divert which um fire I'm going to be putting out and I'm just gonna refuel this fire I think that Ashley and Candace should actually have a conversation and try to hash things out between them and Candace is like, I honestly don't think it's really appropriate that we have this conversation at the table, but I would like to have, if you're willing, a conversation between us privately. And Ash is like, yeah, I'm open to it, but you need to follow up your words with actions because I've seen this happen before 
and you need to stop talking behind my back. There's no, still no actual apology from Candace and Robin's even like, why don't you just say like, okay, y'all can have this conversation privately, but why don't you just say now? Like, I'm sorry. I want to move forward. Hello. <laughs> like, and Ashley agrees. Karen saying she's sitting there very quietly, but in a talking head, she's like, you know what? I feel really bad for Candace right now. Cause I know what it feels like to be gang banged. <laughs> And I just feel really sad for her. And I just feel like everybody's attacking her. And Candace is getting, feeling the same way. And is like, you know, this, are we here for Ashley to celebrate her baby and the fact that she's coming out? Or are you guys here to just ambush me and attack me? Like, what what's the purpose here? Um, They're going back and forth like, oh, no, this is not an ambush. Yes, it is. Blah, blah, blah. She's like, you know what? Everybody needs to shut the fuck up and fuck you. And then we get a to be continued. Whew. I'm loving it. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Okay. Ah, thank you guys so much for listening to the episode. Thank me for speaking. I'll be back with you guys later this week. Bye.